Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture today is Psalm 150. Uh, The book of Psalms is a collection of 150 different prayers. Some of those are prayers of praise. Some of those are prayers of petition, meaning request. Some of those are prayers of lament. It has all kinds of different prayers for every occasion, all kinds of situations, uh, but intentionally ends on a very high note of praise. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his fortress, the sky. Praise God in his mighty acts. Praise God as suits his incredible greatness. Praise God with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise God with lute and lyre. Praise God with drum and dance. Praise God with strings and pipe. Praise God with loud cymbals. Praise God with clashing cymbals. Pete, you went a little low on it, a little light on us. Let everything praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, O Lord, would you come and speak to our hearts and minds. Teach us what you want us to know. Show us what you want us to see. Challenge within us what needs to be challenged. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, It's possible that over the last uh, couple of weeks or a week or so, Uh, You've been wrapped up, like much of the world, in the events surrounding the death of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, We've seen the crowds gather in London. We've seen the big processions. We've seen the family be decked in all of their royalty. Tomorrow, all of that will culminate in her funeral in the morning. Uh, In the morning, uh, there will be a gathering of uh, sailors, 142 British sailors, who will go to Westminster Hall They'll place the queen's coffin on the back of a Royal Navy carriage. They will pull her in that carriage to Westminster Abbey, uh, followed by 200 musicians playing pipes and drums. The family will then follow all in their royal splendor, all wearing uh, medals to let us know just how important they are. I don't mean to be cynical about that. The funeral itself will be led by the Archbishop of Canterbury, the second head of the Church of England. The first head was the Queen uh, for 70 years. She's been the head of the uh, the Church of England. Now it's uh, King Charles. Uh, And the funeral itself will be attended by royalty from around the world, elected leaders, including our own President Joe Biden. Now, She was a devout Christian woman. It will be a Christian funeral. There's no doubt that Christian scriptures will be read, hymns will be sung, uh, prayers will be prayed, God will be mentioned. But will anybody dispute the fact that tomorrow the attention will be on the queen and on her 70-year reign? I have no doubt God will be in attendance at the funeral, but the focus will be on Queen Elizabeth. Now, interestingly, there was a time in royal culture that royalty were referred to reverently by the title, Your Worship. 
your worship. That was the title given. I'll say more about that in just a moment. Now, interestingly, simultaneously, similarly, completely differently, make sense of that, in this country, there has been the resumption in recent weeks of massive worship gatherings around the country. In every college town, there are these major, huge open-air cathedrals. Some people call them stadiums. And they're filled with worshipers. Some people call them fans. And they are there to perform ritual worship offerings to their favorite team. Now, one example. Uh, did you know that the largest brick building in the United States is Doak Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee of Florida State University? Go Knowles. It was built in a neo-Jacobean architectural style that resembles a church. Did you know that Doak Campbell Stadium has one of the five largest stained glass windows in the country, uh, honoring, of course, the great venerable St. Bobby Bowden? It's a church, friends, and people go there to worship. Just at Doe Campbell this year, seven times, thousands upon thousands of worshiping pilgrims will travel from afar to gather there at the stadium, far more than will be in churches the following morning, I promise you. They will make great generous offerings in the form of expensive ticket sales and concessions and t-shirts. There will be great emotional displays of unity. The faithful standing in reverence will worship with song and liturgical movements. They call them there the war chant and the tomahawk chop. It will be led by thousands and hundreds of musicians. There will be deafening shouts of praise and hopefully not too many tears of lamentation. If that's not worship, you tell me what is. That's worship, friends. And by the way, it doesn't just happen at Doe Campbell Stadium. It happens at all the stadiums around the company. It happens at a country. It happens at every sporting venue. It happened last week at the Emmy Awards. It happens at political rallies. It happens at patriotic rallies. It happens at new car lots. It happens in malls and grocery stores and liquor stores and online. It's been said, if you show me your calendar, if you show me your checkbook, for those of us that still have them, if you show me your social media, I can tell you what you value. And what we value, we worship. And by the way, don't hear any judgment in that because if you looked at my checkbook and my social media and my calendar, you would also see what I value and thus worship. What do you worship? What receives your praise, your reverence. Or let's ask it a different way. Let's imagine God, who we would say is the one we worship, is watching all of your worship, your Christian worship and your other worship. Who would God say you worship? Remember, there's that whole thing about the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. What would God say about your worship? Point is, all of us worship. Sometimes we worship, we don't even know we're worshiping. Everybody exists. By the, way, by the way, agnostics worship. Atheists worship. People of every religious stripe worship. Saints and sinners all worship. And much of our worship feels religious in the way that we do it, whether the focus is religious or not. The question for all of us is how much of our worship is directed toward God and how much of it is for someone 
or something else. We began a couple weeks ago a new sermon series, just four-week series, called The Journey Deeper. We said that God is always calling us throughout our lives into a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation, a deeper engagement, a deeper relationship with God. And we said the starting point for most of us is really as consumers. We, we approach God as a consumer. God is the great, uh, the, the great giver, right, in the sky. God's the blesser, and what does that make us? The blessed. God is Santa Claus, and we're children waiting for Christmas morning, right? God's the pharmacist in the sky, hopefully sending the remedy for our problems. God's the, the fix-it person coming to repair everything that's broken, well, God certainly is the blesser. God certainly is a giver. We, we say that in the traditional service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But God wants to be more than just a provider for us. God wants to do more than just give to us. God desires more. Uh, you can send letters to Santa Claus without knowing Santa Claus, right? You can call the repairman to come fix your car but, or your house, but that doesn't mean you really know the repairman. God wants to be known in a much deeper way. And so last week we talked about the second step of the journey to becoming soul explorers, never giving in for easy answers, never rejecting things just because we don't understand them, but always learning, always growing, always seeking, always pursuing a growing relationship with God, which leads to today, the third step, and that's becoming true worshipers. Not just going through the motions of worship, but becoming people who worship God. Today I want us to talk about worship, but not just what we do at church, how we worship at church during this hour, but all of the ways that we worship God. The word that we say, worship, comes from some old biblical words that basically mean to bow down or to kiss. That's the simplest idea of worship, to bow before God, to kiss God. Uh, the English version of the word is British, and it comes from uh, the idea of, like I said, with royalty, to, to acknowledge the worth of someone else, to see the worth in someone else. So in the case of royalty, I acknowledge your worth as a person of royalty, your worship, right? Well, we know God has ultimate value, ultimate worth. That's why we worship God. But the point is that we worship anything that we think has value. Anything that catches our eye, anything that fills our heart, we also worship. Christian worship specifically are the ways that we acknowledge that God is God and that we're not. It's all the ways that we acknowledge that we need God. It's naming our need for God. It's being reminded of our dependency on God. We gather to tell the story of God's redemptive work in the world, starting with creation, going through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, through today and the work of God in the church and our own personal stories and how they're part of God's work of redemption. Worship is that time that we're reminded that God is bigger, bigger than me, bigger than our worries, bigger than our needs, bigger than our problems. We're reminded that God is bigger than our ability to grasp. God is a mystery. And worship is the invitation. 
one way or another, to surrender our lives before God, to offer our whole lives as our offering to God. Pastor Nadia Bowles Weber says, I need a God who is bigger and more nimble and mysterious than what I could understand and contrive. I think that's what worship does. It brings us into the mystery of God to be reminded that God is God. And God is the God we need. There's an artist that I particularly like who's a Christian named Makoto Fujimura. He says, if beauty, truth, and goodness are qualities of our movement back to God, then the end of the rainbow of such a pursuit is not rational recognition, but an encounter, an encounter. Modernist assumptions that verifiable knowledge is the ultimate path to truth have overlooked the fact that mystery and beauty are not the core of knowing, right? So last week we talked about, we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to understand, but that's not the end. That as we learn, grow, and understand, it ought to incline our hearts to response, to awe, to wonder, to worship. Worship is an encounter with the holy mystery that is God. It's an encounter with divine beauty. Now, I want to be really clear about this. This is a big point I want you to take home from today. Who is worship for? Who is worship for? Now, you might know the right theological answer, but I think if we were honest, a lot of the time we think it's for us. And I may have just surprised you that that's not the right answer. We act as though worship is, is about us, and, and that makes the, the pastors and the musicians sort of performers, and God is sort of the theme of the performance. God is sort of the topic. Friends, worship isn't for us, not literally. Worship is for God. Worship is about God. Worship is meant to be directed. And if we understand worship in that right way, then who are the performers? You are. And who's the audience? God is. The role of the musicians and the pastor is just to direct, just to help us do it, just to bring us into the presence of God. Now, do we gain from that experience? Like, you know, so, so sometimes you hear people say like, well, I, I need a pastor that feeds me, or I like a style of music in this particular way, right? Or I like to worship in this kind of setting. Well, that's all good. Those are your preferences, but ultimately it's not about you. It's about how we bring our worship to God. Do we gain from that? Of course we do. I mean, that's the thing. Like when we bring ourselves before God, all of ourselves, God outgives us every single time, right? And so, yeah, of course we come and we're, we're moved by the music and we're comforted by community and maybe even the sermon says something that speaks to you, right? I mean, that's how God is. God is always reciprocal. God always outgives whatever we bring. And there's no question that some of our preferences are a reflection of just of who we are. We, we worship according to our kind of our, our age, our experience, our theology, our culture, our ethnicity, like all of that's a reflection of worship. And so sometimes, you know, we know that people worship in different way and different traditions and different places around the world, different theological ideas, different perspectives. Sometimes those don't fit us. And so worship doesn't feel right but it's important that we always remember that it's not about my preference. I'll say this really clearly. It's very possible to come to church. It's very possible to come to worship and worship worship and forget to worship God. Did you catch what I just said? 
it's very possible to worship our worship preferences, the way we like to worship, and forget that worship is ultimately about God. John O'Donohue, a Celtic author, says, praise is truthful affirmation. God has no need of our praise, yet the act of praising draws you way outside the frontiers of your smallness. To praise, meaning to praise God, awakens the more generous side of your heart. It draws out the nobility in you. When the soul praises, the life enlarges. And isn't that the goal? I mean, isn't that the goal of our spiritual journey to have enlarged lives, enlarged understanding of who God is? I mean, that's, that's why we were invited last week to become spiritual explorers, to enlarge our understanding of God. And worship takes us a step further. It draws us out of the smallness of our daily lives. It draws us out of the smallness of all of our lesser worship, of things that don't deserve our worship. It leads us into a greater worship, of God who deserves it. The Sufi mystic, Rumi, once said, this is kind of poetic, the mystic, or we could say the worshiper, dances in the sun, hearing music others don't. Insanity, they say, those others. If so, it's a very gentle, nourishing sort. Did you catch that? We worship a God we don't see. (laughs) We worship God for for reasons that the average person may not even understand because we know who God is. It's an invitation to dance in the mystery of God. Some may say it's insanity. So what, right? It's a very gentle sort. Psalm 150, three through six. Praise God with trumpet sound. Praise God with lute and harp. Praise God with tambourine and dance. Praise God with strings and pipe. Praise God with clanging cymbals. Praise God with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What would you add to that? If you're going to rewrite the psalm, what would you add to the list? Praise God with the electric guitar. Praise God with piano and keyboards. Praise God with an organ and handbells like we do at 11. Praise God with creeds and prayers and liturgy. Praise God with chanting and clapping and kneeling. Praise God with banners and stained glass or or video screens. Praise God with stage lighting. Praise God with silence. Praise God with the offering plate. Or what about beyond Sunday morning? What are ways you worship God then? Maybe in your daily devotion. Maybe in your car, with your car radio. Praise God with your iPhone. Praise God when you're all alone. Praise God when you're at work. Praise God when you're at nature. How about just praise God all of the time? What if all of our worship when we come together is really intended to help us be worshipers all the time? To always, being, always acknowledging in one way or another, nothing comes close to the worth of God. That's what our worship is. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Does everything that breathes praise the Lord? No, not yet. But everything, everyone that breathes praise, praises something, worships something. The Christian faith is a journey. It's a journey deeper. And the next step deeper is to worship. Worship God for who God is. 
That's why we're here today. Let us pray. And so God, would you reveal something in our hearts today? Would you show us something? Uh, reveal to us what we really do worship. What are the things that we really value? The things that we place before you, beyond you, instead of you. Lord, refocus our worship in these moments. May we praise you in all the ways you deserve for all that you are. Remind us and still in us, deepen in us a sense of your great value and worth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.